And you can, at any given point, look at the circumstance with different eyes. It makes it much easier if you know your story so that you're already aware of what's going on on an unconscious level. Because mm-hmm. that your story will color your response to pretty much everything. This week, Dr. Noelle Nelson explains how defining your story can impact the interactions you have within your marriage and your life in general. Stay tuned. Okay, here's the deal. I love wine. I know a little bit about wine, but I'm not an expert. But you know who is? Our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting. We have been working together for five years now, and I can honestly say that they have delivered to my door some of the best wines I have ever had. We started working with them so that we could deliver to you an ongoing reminder, a treat, to slow down with your spouse and enjoy each other's company and to reconnect. To help facilitate, with each shipment, we provide simple date night ideas, and Touring and Tasting shares background information on the wineries and includes recipes that will pair well with your wines. I should note that many of these wines are typically only available if you actually visit the winery or become a member of that wine club. The customer service from Touring and Tasting is ridiculous. I have a friend who joined and then called me to rave about how enjoyable their customer service experience was. That's unheard of, right? So here's the deal. There are no membership fees. Shipping is free. You can cancel at any time and these unique award-winning wines come with 100% satisfaction guaranteed, which means they guarantee the wine is delicious or they will replace it free upon request. If you decide the wine you just had was amazing and you want to reorder, you can save up to 70% off of retail. Now here's the closer. If you sign up today, you will receive your first shipment for half price. You can join right now and get your first shipment for a flat fee of $49 plus tax. This is before the half price offer. So your pre-taxed first shipment is less than $25 for two amazing bottles of wine. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join today. Gift options are also available. Ahem, wedding season around the corner. And again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the wine club link to join in celebrating your marriage. Cheers. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Uh, Noelle is a relationship expert, popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, Noelle is the author of many, many best-selling books. Uh, Her most recent relationship books are Your Man is Wonderful and Dangerous Relationships. Uh, You can also find a fantastic book on uh, health and well-being and living uh, a vibrant life to the end called Happy Healthy Dead. You can uh, get that on your e-readers, your Kindle readers. Uh, And of course, you can find all this information at her website, noelnelson.com. 
today, Noel, we are going to talk about don't be a victim of your emotions. Uh, I think it's safe to say that if there is any relationship out there that will push our buttons, it is marriage. Uh, to be in such close quarters with somebody for such a long time, you're inevitably going to provoke uh, all sorts of emotions. And so um, we're not really happy about those types of things. Um, and today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the emotion of anger and how we stoke that. And when you do get angry because of something your spouse said or did, what we're real I mean, <clears throat> we are supposed to do something about it. Um, they say or do something, uh, it gets you mad and you get angry, right? Like that's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, there is, of course, an initial knee jerk, right? But you don't have to stay there. The, the problem is not that we initially respond with a feeling of anger, right? It's that we stay there. If anything, you can actually, Steve, find entirely different ways to respond. But first of all, you have to actually own your response. Mm. So, okay, so owning your response, what do you mean by that? Okay, the anger, which is often defensiveness, right, or resentment, is frankly how you are choosing to respond. So you got the initial knee jerk. Okay, we, we, we all do that. But then you've got a choice in how to respond. And it really doesn't matter if you do that out loud or just inside yourself, right? But you'll respond with anger as in, you know, you never listen to me or, oh, you're always late or you never think my ideas are any good. And you don't, you don't realize that that response is actually triggered by how you're interpreting what they said in the context of your larger experience of them, of your life together, of whatever happened yesterday, etc. You don't have to respond with that anger or defensiveness. What you could respond with is things like curiosity, surprise, intrigue. There's all sorts of different ways to respond that, frankly, we never think about. Mm. Just never. I'll give you a, an example, Steve, because it just amused the heck out of me. <laughs> okay. This uh, was in the context of um, <laughs> a friend of mine, <laughs> a very close friend of mine, who was very irritated with me because uh, they couldn't get me on my cell phone. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I told them for the hundredth time that I don't get cell reception in Malibu, which kind of blows everybody away because, you know, Malibu and everything, but we don't get cell reception up mm -hmm. here. And so he was pissed at me. And so his response was, well, you should just move out of Malibu. And that <laughs> triggered in me a, a roar, you know, not a pleasant roar, a roar of, oh, I will never move out of Malibu. Mm -hmm. And then later, in hindsight, right? Thinking about the very thing we're talking about, Steve, I said to myself, Noel, you could have just said, what? Yeah. <laughs> As in, huh? Because really, my, that was a, you know, he, he triggered something. And that's what we do in marriage all the time. We trigger something. But my response to that trigger, even though the initial one would be, would be, you know, I don't know, rage is too big a word for it, but, you know, pissed offedness. The response didn't have to then continue in that vein. It could have been a simple, huh? <laughs> and say what kind of thing. So, 
Yeah. You know, you got to own the response. Yeah. And when we're talking about marriage too, uh, you know, this is kind of hinted at at the very top, the, the person you're married to, not only is it this close proximity relationship where, uh, you can't get away from them, uh, you know, like in the evenings when you're together and stuff like that. But these are people who know your deepest, darkest secrets. They know all the buttons to push. They know what to say and how to say it. Uh, And so if they want to stoke a reaction, they probably can do it at will, right? Which I think makes it But also remembering, mm -hmm, yes. And the other thing, Steve, is that often they're doing it unconsciously. Yeah, yeah. And it can even get even more frustrating if you've had conversations about it. Like, uh, it bothers me or it annoys me when you do things or say things in such a manner. Correct. And then they go ahead and do it anyway, right? Uh, Right. So that makes it really, really tricky. Uh, Okay, so it's one thing for us to have this discussion about, oh, well, you know, just just choose to – have a different response rather than just getting angry. Uh, so how do you choose a different response? I doubt, uh, it's, you know, just putting a happy face on everything that somebody says to you like that, that seems almost impossible. Well, it's not only impossible, it's not genuine. Mm -hmm. And, and frankly, in your marriage, you want at least 99% of the time to be genuine. Yeah. Um, so how you choose a different response. This is, this is one of my all time favorite things to talk about. It is called figure out what's your story. In other words, any response you give is going to be determined by your personal story of you. For example, is yours a victim story? One that basically says, you know, I'm this good, good person. I'm a wonderful spouse. I do it all pretty much right. And therefore, it's, it's not my responsibility, whatever is happening. It's, it's just not mine. I'm, I'm the victim here. They done me wrong, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you have to ask yourself, is that the story of me in this relationship? It can be very different in your work world or with your friends, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or is it, and this is the, we're obviously exaggerating to make a point, is it a villain story? That would be, whoa. You know, she knows that pushes my buttons. He knows that's how to get me. He's just doing this out of spite. That's a villain story. Now you're exaggerating evil, the evil motives or attributes or personality disorder, sure. whatever you want to call it, yeah. of your spouse, and you're making them the villain. Do you see? Now, again, so... Ask yourself, is that how, when we get into a, an upset, is that how I see, is that my story, that they are a villain? Mm-hmm. Or is it more of a lie down, roll over, and play dead story, which in one word would be kind of helpless, where you're, you've convinced yourself, for whatever reason, that any decent, any, any healthy course of action would be pointless. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely pointless. Now, this goes in a bit with victim, if you will, but it's not as mm, – this is more of a martyr position, if you will, mm. where it does no good for me to speak my piece. It does no good for me to say what's on my mind. It do, does no good for me to try to be rational here because, you know what, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I so Oh, go ahead. There are – there are other stories, but these are kind of classic, if you will, mm-hmm. victim, villain, martyr, and 
please chime in, Steve. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, no, yeah, I I haven't. I've heard of like self talk and uh, mental preparation and things of that nature. I've never heard uh, anything put in such a simple way like this of give yourself a story. Uh, yeah. And I, I love it because I've actually been doing this my whole life. Uh, and I've mm. never, I've never been presented and you know me, I've read, <laughs> I've read everything <laughs> there is about relationships. Um, yeah. and I've never heard anybody talk about it like this, but I, I swear to you that, uh, uh so I was a, um, I had, let's just say I had some behavioral problems when I was a kid. I was a punk and, uh, <laughs> and, and not a punk as in like a punk rocker. I was a punk like as in just a bad kid who treated people poorly, who treated my family poorly. Um, and, and like I reflect on it, my own self-assessment is this, not just what other people have told me. And I mm-hmm. remember basically giving myself a story like I'm the good guy now. I just told myself, ah. like, I like I don't have to be this person. I can be somebody else. And I did this at a very young age. And then I also remember when I, um, I like, I'm a very competitive person. I, I, I've said it a million times on this podcast that I have an athletic background. I like to win. Mm-hmm. And when I got into mm-hmm. my relationships, and particularly when I got married, like I told myself, I am going to be the best married person ever. Like, that's just a story I told myself. And if I'm writing a book Mm -hmm. or shooting a movie, like what would that person do? And I have that plot line running through my head Mm -hmm. all the time. And whenever, Mm -hmm. um, my spouse and I do anything and I'm confronted with a situation where it demands a response, I honest to God, I go through that little story in my head and think, what would the protagonist do in this situation? Like, what is the right thing to do? And because I have read all the stuff that I have read on Hitched and spoken to you a, a thousand times and other uh, marriage experts over the years, I fortunately, I have a toolbox that has a lot of tools I can pull out to help in that mm-hmm. situation. So I know a variety of responses I can give. But I do. I have that story in my head constantly. And it really shapes how I act toward people. Um, and you know, obviously there's that point where a lot of things become habitual and I don't have to think about it, but whenever I feel like I need to take that breath or that pause before I respond or engage, I, that, that story thread is, is a constant in me. So this is, this is really cool. I, I I haven't heard anybody mention it so concisely about what Mm -hmm. I actually do Mm -hmm. myself. Well, and here's the thing. You made your story conscious, Steve. We all have a story that we are living by, but for the most part, it is unconscious. We just don't think in these terms. I know for me, given the way I was brought up and stuff like that, my story for a long time was martyr, mm. was powerless, mm-hmm. was can't can't speak up, can't no, nothing's going to happen here, etc. And it took quite a bit of shaken up through therapy and stuff for me to understand that that's what was going on underneath. And then to, from there, from there, you can do like you said, which is choose a more positive story or a story you like better. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And it, honestly, you know? and well, it's interesting too, this whole thing, because when we're talking about this, one of the things we know about relationships, particularly in the early years, we have all these chemicals going through our bodies um, that t- paint the relationship with these rose tinted glasses. And what we're really doing is, you know, it's chemically induced, uh, but we are telling ourselves a story about the person we're with. Um, yes. So I think it's interesting that that is that subconscious uh, chemically induced story that we're telling ourselves. But we're talking about you can play an active role in writing that story. And so I guess my next question is once you have once you figured out your story, what are you supposed to do next? Exactly what you did, Steve, which is to say transform it. I mean, you know, it's not set in stone. You made it up. It's your story. Believe me, when it became clear to me that, you know, martyr was my story, A, I hated that <laughs> that description. Yeah. And I, I looked at it and I thought, shoot, I did make that up. And so anything you made up, you can unmake, you know. So you can't it's not the event. See, this is what's so important. Most people think, well, the way to not be angry is to change the event, Mm. right? Uh, I don't know. They, your spouse rammed the car into some pole. Well, you're not going to change that event, Mm -hmm. but your story, the story you tell about yourself then changes the interpretation of the event. And the best example I can give of this is from a movie that I'm sure a lot of you know called, um, stir crazy. Gene mm-hmm. Wilder and Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And Gene Wilder is, if you will, the most amazingly positive individual in any circumstance. His story is everything always works out. Uh-huh. So there he is buried in solitary confinement underground, hung by his arms. And he comes out with a smile saying, gee, you know, my chiropractor never managed to get that kink out of my back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's utterly hysterical. The the most god awful events that happened to him, he ever, just deliberately, obstinately, continues to see as well. Something good happened here. Now it's a movie, you know. Yeah. But still, it's an astonishing example of how, if your story of you is, well, I'm the best married guy anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you plug that in through the events, then you do interpret them differently. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that, too, because uh, to your point about movies um, or books or whatever, when you're thinking about stories, um, the best stories, there are those ups and downs, right? Like there is that conflict. Yes. Um, but yes. you have those heroes throughout the stories, not because they get stuck in these bad situations, it's it's how they respond to those situations that makes them the hero, right? right? And so Correct. I think that gives hope for well, you know, I you know this is easy for them to talk about it, but like you know, if they knew what was going on in my life, it wouldn't be so easy. Well, no, you control. I think that's the best part about what we're talking about now uh, in general is the fact that what we are talking about is empowerment, self empowerment, and yes. how you basically take control of your story, of your life, how you respond to things. Um, and even if the circumstances aren't ideal, you still have a role to play amongst those circumstances. Yes, you do. And you can, at any given point, look at the circumstance with different eyes. It makes it much easier if you know your story so that you're already aware of what's going on 
on an unconscious level. Because mm-hmm. that your story will color your response to pretty much everything. Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting, Steve, because you say that, and I, I, you know, we've talked about your athletic history and so forth before, that, you know, you, you love being a winner. Well, I have news for you. Being the best married guy you could possibly be is being a winner. Yeah. <laughs> so your, your, your through line is really being a winner. And applied to marriage, it's being the best possible uh, husband you can be, which is interesting because some people might take the being a winner as winning every argument with your spouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's not what you do. No. (laughs) Right. And I mean, that's not what you are out to do. Let's put it that way. No. You know, what's funny is um, the interesting point about that scenario that you just raised, winning every argument, my goal is to avoid the argument altogether, which I think is part of what we have, what we talk about a lot of when you have the tools and skill set. Now, when I say avoid the argument altogether, that's not to say that we avoid disagreements. It's that right. it never escal- escalates into an argument, you right. know, and that's where I feel like where I want Hitch to be for most people is we're not in the business of triaging emergencies. We are here to help you. So you never have that emergency. And, uh, I've, I've relayed since we're talking stories, I'll relay this again. Um, and I've done this in the past in the podcast, but I think, again, this is another thing that I think about, um, in, in the matrix, since you brought up a movie, I'll bring up one myself Mm -hmm. In the matrix. Mm -hmm. There is a point where, um, one of the agents in the movie who is like this computer generated figure, um, is dodging bullets and Neo, the main character played by Keanu Reeves, um, goes to his, uh, mentor Morpheus and says, are you telling me that when I figure this all out, I will be able to dodge bullets too. And Morpheus replies, when you have this all figured out, you won't have to. And I think that the same thing applies in marriage. When you have this figured out, no, you're not going to have to be able to bend over backwards and dodge bullets flying at you. You won't have to dodge the bullets at all. They won't be coming. Or if they are coming, exactly, it's not a big deal. So, um, that's where I hope we, you know, we become like the Morpheus of marriage. We explain to people that you do not have to dodge bullets. Um, right. and so anyways, I, I, I just love, I love this topic. Um, and yeah. so one of the other things that I actually wanted to ask you about the, the story thing is, um, this is slightly off topic maybe, but. A lot of people are wedded to their story, right? Like you, like oh, I, gosh, yes. I have identified myself as like, I like to be the best. I like to be the winner. I want to be this guy. Um, there are certain times like it's easy to see like, you know, or maybe it's not so easy to see, but if you aren't playing that character or you aren't living that role that you want to, but that's how you're identified. That's how you self-identify. That's how others identify you. How do you crack that nut? And so that it's not um, who you are wrapped up as an identity, right? Like, how do you, how do you figure that one out? I guess I'm a little confused by your question. Okay. In other words, if if you, yeah, if I, if I'm the guy, if I'm the person who, let's just say like, I'm the person who always picks up the pieces, that's my role. That's who, like I've identified myself as a fixer. Everybody else sees me as a fixer. I don't want to be the, or Perhaps I feel like then we're back to transforming. Okay. So it's gets Okay. Cause it's like, well, who am I if I'm not the fixer? 
Well, you know, the, oh, that one is so critical because this happens an awful lot with the spouses of uh, alcoholics who have become sober. Mm-hmm. They then don't have an identity because their identity for the past 10, 20, whatever years has been he or she who uh, cleans up the mess, basically enables, but cleans up the mess, etc., manages to live with and through an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So now what? And this is a, uh, it, 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 you know, it's a big conundrum for them. What it comes down to is exactly what you are speaking to, Steve, which is to say, then you get to choose a new story and behave according to what that story is. Mm -hmm. Like when I realized, okay, martyr is just not the way I want to go through life, then I had to understand, all right, what are the behaviors of somebody who feels empowered? And, Mm -hmm. you know, it took time. It took having to learn about it, but it took a refusal, a Mm -hmm. refusal to see myself as or behave in ways that were powerless. Mm-hmm. I know that. And okay. so it's a very deliberate, conscious thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because I'm as you're saying those things about uh, alcoholics or spouses of alcoholics, I also think, oh, you you get this same thing with like retirees where their identity yes. has been wrapped up in their careers. And we also know that there's like a spike in divorces when people retire. Um, and, and deaths. And, 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 and also, um, empty nesters, right? Like they were the parent, they were the person. And so then they have to like flip that. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of instances where, uh, you will may need to change, uh, what your story is. Um, and so let's, let's wrap this thing up here. So once you have transformed your story, um, is that the end or is there some more work that needs to go into this? The only work that needs to go into it at that point is to practice, is to have, it's really great if you have a mantra like you do in your mind of, you know, I want to, to be the best possible husband. Mm-hmm. Um, some people uh, who are uh, Christian use, what would Jesus do? Yep. I mean, in other words, if you have a mantra that kind of symbolizes, I mean, mine would, to get out of martyr was, I am woman, hear me roar, which yeah. is just a line out of a movie. But it doesn't matter what you use. It's helpful to have a, a sentence, a phrase, something that really resonates with you, that you can hang on to, that helps you choose what your behavior is going to be, and be willing to mess up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this, is not, uh, this is not a magic trick. Yeah. Um, this is a change, a profound change in, in thought and action. So it can take a while and that's okay. That's okay. The more conscious you become, the happier you will be with who you are because you're obviously choosing a new story that you like. Mm -hmm. So you practice. That's really all it comes down to. It's not terribly complicated, but the good part to come back to our original point, Steve, is now you are in charge of your emotions instead of them running you. Yeah. I was going to say, I just, I love that you brought it up that this isn't a magic trick. And I think that's the most inspiring thing about this is it's not magic right. and, and you have that power right. to do these things. So, yep. Um, well, this was fantastic, Noel. Uh, thank you so much for your time <laughs> and uh, sharing pleasure. this little tip. And I now have a new, again, I have another tool in my toolbox. So very much appreciate it. <laughs> and I hope all the listeners out there 
uh, have taken something from this. And uh, I, by the way, I'd love to, if you guys have your own little storylines that you, you tell yourself or the little cues that you give yourself throughout the day or in certain situations, I'd love to hear them. Go ahead and uh, tweet them at me, uh, at Hitch Media. Um, but until then, you can find uh, more Reese's from, resources from Noelle at her website, noellenelson.com. And I want to remind you that Noelle is a relationship relationship expert, a popular speaker in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many best-selling books. Uh, her most recent relationship book is Your Man is Wonderful. Uh, you can find this stuff at our website, hitchmag.com. We have a bookstore in there uh, where you can uh, buy her books. Um, you, of course, you can find those on like Amazon and, the, and Barnes and & Noble and other big bookstores. Um, and uh, I also recommend following Noelle has a uh, group on Facebook called Meet the Amazings, which goes in line with the book that I mentioned at the top, uh, Happy Healthy Dead, where you don't have to just wither away in your old age. You can actually do really great, inspiring things and change your story uh, to tie this all together. And uh, the Meet the Amazings group is constantly telling these these really inspiring stories of, of real individuals doing these really spectacular things at the ripe old age of say 92 or whatnot uh so check that out if you're if you're uh looking for some inspiration uh so one last time thank you so much noelle it is always a pleasure thank you steve all right that is going to do it for us until next time take care everybody we have the world tonight.